Hello, everybody. Welcome once again to another fantastic episode of the Business Creators Radio Show. My name is Adam Homey. I am your host, and I am honored that you have made the wise decision to tune in and invest in yourself today. Here at the Business Creators Radio Show, we help you win at the game of business and marketing so you can thrive from the intersection of your brilliance and passion. And as the name says, our listeners are business creators. We have our entrepreneurs, small business owners, local business owners. We have marketing and business coaches. We have those who help others create their businesses, and we have the do-it-yourselfers like to have your own hands on the levers. If you are one or more of the above, and in fact, many of our listeners who tune in every week are all of the above, please take a moment, explore episodes at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. Also, subscribe to us on iTunes. You'll immediately receive access to a treasure trove of over 230 episodes covering a breadth and depth of topics relevant to business creators just like you. You also receive fresh content every week, and when you find an episode you like, like, be sure to give us five stars and tell us why. That helps us help more business creators just like you. Today's episode is going to be a fairly broad and very exciting conversation. We have with us a gentleman named Greg Jeffries of SEO Affiliate Domination. Let me just tell you a little bit about Greg, then I'll tell you what we're going to be discussing here. So long story short, as Greg likes to say, he's just a regular guy. He's never had a job that's paid him over $20,000 a year before taxes, and he's been learning online marketing on nights and weekends for about the past decade. He's failed a ton. He spent tens of thousands of dollars, but lo and behold, last year, he finally had his breakthrough and achieved his first six-figure year with purely affiliate commissions from SEO, and he'd like to share more about how he did that with you. And we're going to cover that uh, in the second half of our time here today. In the first half, we have another topic that we can interview Greg on, and this is something that several of our listeners have demanded. So we're going to start with showing you how to uh, teach online courses and create passive streams of income. Then we're going to move into the search engine optimization, search engine marketing, and affiliate marketing and give you some insights on how to take it to market. This is something that you may have heard before. It's something you may even do for yourself or do for others as a fellow business creator, and I'm real excited to deliver to you today the perceptions and the point of view of Greg Jeffries. Greg, come on in. Welcome aboard. The weather's fine. <laughs> Thanks for having me. All right, so I gave a little bit of your backstory right there, and i got to say that's one of the more interesting official bios we've had here on the Business Creators radio show. It partially answers the first question that I normally ask, but I'd like to go a little bit deeper with it if I can. What we normally do here at Business Creators Radio Show is we'll read off the bio that lists all the media they've been on, all the books they published, and their 25 plus years doing X, Y, and Z, and that's all well and good. Uh, you are a very interesting and unique guy because you're actually candid about the fact that you've never had a job, a J-O-B, that's really even paid you really a living wage when you think about it, because what can you do with $20,000 a year in this day and age? And it's been interesting just getting to know a little bit about how you've been doing this as a side hustle for about the past decade or did it that way for about a decade. So 
you can tell us a little bit more about that, just some of the factors that drove you down that path to bring you where you are today, serving business creators from the intersection of your brilliance and passion? Yeah, so obviously it sounds, uh, everybody loves the rags to riches story, and it uh, sounds sexier after you've made it to the other side, but um, it's it kind of started, so I mean, I grew up middle class, so I wasn't like poor or anything, but it's, to me, it's, it can be almost as frustrating because, um, like, everything that you work for, it cancels itself out, you know, with all your expenses and stuff every month. So you're basically left with nothing um, unless you, you know, use credit cards or whatever to kind of just do a, a few nice things. So, um, or like, even eat out once a week or, or once a month or something. But um, so I started out with, uh, well, well, I went to, you know, down the path that most people do I went you know graduated from high school went to went to a community college and then went from there to university and um didn't I never really knew what I wanted to do like for income or for a job um and I know that's a lot you know, a lot of people are in that same boat they just go to college and get into a lot of debt because that's what they think they're supposed to do which that's it seems like a, everybody seems to kind of be slowly waking up to that that's, that's a, not really the best decision um Right. But uh, so I graduated from college, and um, I've always been kind of entrepreneurial, but I never – nobody in my immediate family had their own businesses, either online or um, brick and mortar. So I didn't really have a mentor or anything to tell me that it was okay to, like, make money on my own. I thought you just had to go to a job, and unfortunately, like, although I'm a – you know, have a lot of discipline and I'm a hard worker – I've never really, I don't know, I just haven't been interested, I was never interested in um, kind of working my way up the corporate ladder or in in, in any kind of job setting. Um, most of the places that I've, I've worked at have been kind of um, like mom and pop shops anyway, so there really wasn't anywhere to go. It was just like me and like a couple other people and then the owner. So that was, you know, there's not, I don't know, it just wasn't very far for me to go um, up, and um, they, I, I don't know, I just wasn't that great at communicating what I could do and, like, everything I was capable of and translating that into, like, great jobs, and, which equals, like, better salaries. So I just was always, right. uh, and, you know, I never, yeah, I never broke past, like, low 20s, thousands a year salary, and that, if you Google that, and at least in the uh, average household salary for people in the U.S., but that's below the poverty line, which is depressing, you know, and it's even sadder because I'm like, I'm not lazy. Like, I'm at a job. I'm at a full-time job, and I'm literally broke, which sucks, um, and I wasn't living you know, I didn't have all these expenses even, and I wasn't living in like a nice place or whatever. But um, the the way that I kind of financed my internet marketing education was through credit cards because I didn't have the money, obviously. Um, and but luckily I had good credit because I somehow managed to pay my bills on time, so had good credit, and that's how I, um, you know, got started really. And that took that was several years because I, you know, a lot of times I would 
make a lot kind of lie to myself and say, um, oh, I'm just going to like pay for this, you know, $97 course or this $997 course. And like by doing so, I will make the money to cover <laughs> this expense. And that yeah. just sort of kind of snowballed and I got deeper and deeper and deeper into debt somehow. Um, so yeah, it took me years to get out of that, but, um, that, that's kind of how the, the rest of the story, if you're, if listeners are wondering, well, how did you, how did you even get to where you're at with, uh, those conditions? But I used credit cards to kind of bought, fund my education, um, because obviously I didn't have the money, you know, and, um, over time I, I did find an, uh, through all the courses I went through, I was like, okay, finally I, things started to click. But, yeah, it wasn't an overnight thing. Well, you know, it's just, and that's just the, the story of a lot of business creators' lives. And I couldn't help but think that some of what you were saying sounds kind of familiar. I, let's see, when I was growing up myself, I was classified as gifted. And uh, that came with the natural assumption that I would be brilliant at absolutely everything I did. Uh, I have so little mathematical aptitude, I am glad that I figured out how Google can be used as a calculator in case I can't find my calculator or my phone's dead and <laughs> I can't find the calculator on my phone. Uh, but, yeah, I was pushed through all these math classes that I never had any use for. It was a complete waste of my time. And I and you may hear it in my voice, I actually have resentment towards the people that pushed me through it to this day, even though I shouldn't. But that's the reality of the beast. Now, in college mm – -hmm. It got to the point where uh, you know, I had been classified as gifted throughout my elementary and secondary education, and then I go to college at Penn State, and uh, my intention was that I was going to go into law school after that because as, uh, as a kid, I got the idea that I wanted to be a lawyer because I really, at the time, wanted to be president of the United States, and I'd gotten this idea that most of them had been attorneys. I don't know where I got that idea because that's only about half true when you really go by the numbers and go through all 44 people who've held that office and look at what they did for a living, but all the same. Uh, now, in the, at the end of my senior year at Penn State, I attended a seminar taught by this brilliant corporate attorney. He was provocative. He was mesmerizing. He was charismatic. At the end of this two-hour seminar, there was no way in hell I was doing that. So there went my education, basically. Uh, while yeah. I was in college, one of my passions was actually competition auto sound. That was the mid-1990s, the late 1990s, when uh, having, a, having a big bitchin' system in your ride was a really big deal. And I built yeah. one of those competition systems because I had some friends on the competition circuit who were always – replacing their stuff every three months. So I would buy three-month-old competition-grade equipment for pennies on the dollar and uh, had a system that was probably worth about five or $6,000 that I paid about 2500 for all said and done. So between that and looking at some of the early elements of car customization, such as the stereo equipment, the custom door panels, the custom ground effects and such for Camaros and Firebirds, because I had a Camaro at the time, a 1988 Camaro, I spent a lot of time on the early e-commerce websites. And this mm -hmm. is what I was doing in the computer lab. That dates me, too. I mean, who goes to a computer lab anymore? Uh, when I was supposed to be working on my term papers. So mm -hmm. I come out of college. I take the this unbelievably crappy job just to have a job because uh, they you know they say well you can't 
you know, be 10 seconds without a job. And then I got the idea right. that I want to be in the temporary staffing industry. So I did it the right way, except for the fact that I ended up accepting a job offer with uh, one of the absolute worst temporary staffing companies in history. Uh, this, uh, let, let me just put it this way. I'm not going to take away from any more of your time, Greg, by telling a story. But let's just say that in the book Journeys to Success, the Millennial Edition, where I contributed Chapter 13, which is called Two Dates with Destiny, the first date is my actual biological birthday. The second date is April 27th, because April 27th is the day I walked out on that job. It was so liberating that I actually celebrated as my second birthday. Now, I mean, yeah, of course, I was given the choice of keeping my effing mouth shut and doing my GD job or getting my ASS fired, and I said, you know, I'll take option three, which is the part where I leave. And, oh, I didn't have another yeah. job lined up. Oh, my God. Yeah. And the reason I celebrate that as my second birthday is because that is the day that all the paradigms begin falling apart for me. The paradigms that kept me stuck, that put me on a trajectory towards becoming an entrepreneur. And like you, Greg, I spent a couple years building a side hustle while I was holding down a job somewhere else. And long story short, I'm one of those people that's considered unemployable. It's who I am, so... Here we are today yeah, on the Business I'm, Creators Radio Show, helping people uh, serve from the intersection of their brilliance and passion by winning at the game of business and marketing. Yeah, it's uh, it's hard to go back once you've uh, kind of made it. Even if you lose, even if I lost it all again, I I don't know how I'd ever go back. I'd probably just live out of my car and, and find a way um, because. Uh, and and just so you know, like your listeners know, this is the second my second attempt, like the first try I did about six years ago to work for myself. And since it was my first time, I, I guess I failed because I wasn't disciplined enough because I'm at a job, you know, you're always told what to do. And, you know, when working for yourself, you don't have anybody looking over your shoulders. So there's nobody to hold you accountable except you. And if you don't have that self-discipline, you're going to fail. And, that's what right. I did the first time. So the, the second time um, when I walked away from my last job was the fall of 2016. And, like, at that point, I was like, I'm ready. Like, I, I know what I have to do, and I, have, <laughs> I, I will have to do this time because I'm never going back. Like, Right. I don't see myself ever going back to it. I mean, we work with companies that have employees. In fact, we offer – training to employees in, in various different areas that we work with with our clients. Uh, I personally was not built for it. That's just me. And it's my passion, one of the areas of my brilliance and passion, when I'm working with another company and I'm working with their employees to work with them to create a culture that doesn't feel like a paycheck. Yep. Because to me, that's my, yep. that's, my I mean way of, uh, that's my way of giving back and paying forward. Yeah, because I mean, and if I ever had a brick and mortar business, I I've I had that thought years ago. It's like, you know, I forget about minimum wage. I want to create this amazing culture and just like if people love what they do and they're being you know generously compensated, they'll probably never leave. So like, I want to create that environment in any businesses that I you know to create. Um, yeah, so, but yeah. 
for now, I'm just like mostly a one man show still. But um, yeah, if I ever had like a even simple stuff like a, a bakery or something like that, where you know it probably most people get paid minimum wage at a job like that, I want to pay them like you know really generous salaries because you know if you've got somebody that's really good at something like they're um, you know whatever baking custom cookies or something like I want to keep that person. I don't want them to leave. Right. You know, so got to give them some incentive, like 401k and a bunch of you know, whatever it takes to keep them. Make like make sure they're comfortable and taken care of. Yeah, you know, uh, I've had some of those same thoughts. Like if I were to open a restaurant or something, uh, I would uh, I would give the, the the service, the servers and the hosts and the people in the kitchen and the bus people. I'd give them real money, and I would want them to feel bought into it. When I worked in fast food, that was my part-time job when I was in college. Uh, one of the things that I frequently was called upon to do when I worked there was something called post-rush, which is, uh, or pre-rush, pre-rush and post-rush. They're the same thing. It's that set of procedures you do either before or after the lunch or dinner rush, either prepare for it or clean up after it. And, you know, the funny thing was, is yeah, I had, all these man, assistant managers in training who tried to tell me how to do that job, which I, I, I mean, I could, I could do it uh, with my, with blindfolded with both hands tied behind my back. Uh, Cause not only did I know it by heart, but I had systematized it. One of the things I discovered is that almost a quarter of the garbage that was produced by that restaurant was produced between the hours of seven and 8 PM. The reason being is that's when the dinner rush was dying down, and a lot of tables were cleared into the trash bins out in the dining room. And on the on the service line, that's when they replenished the the condiment stations and everything else, which generated a lot of paper waste. So between those two, almost a quarter of the trash that was generated by the restaurant the entire day went out between 7 and 8. So what I would do is uh, if the post-rush began at 7, I would get the garbage tamper, and I would tamp down all the garbage bins at 7 o'clock. So they were about half full at that point. And, boy, you would, you would see all these assistant managers in training who probably didn't even know how to read the manual who would try and give me these belabored uh, lectures about, oh, well, the garbage has to go out first. That's what the manual says. And with every one of them, I'd say, what manual? Because, you know what, Greg, it was never written down. That was, somebody, that was, somebody, that was somebody's random idea. The reason I waited till about 10 to 8 to take out the garbage is because then for the rest of the night, the bins would stay basically empty, and the people who opened, who did all the morning prep, who and morning prep generated at least an entire bin full of waste with all the stuff that happened, wouldn't have to deal with garbage overflowing inside the building when they weren't allowed to take it out until 9 o'clock in the morning for safety reasons. Yeah. So by shifting one thing and moving it and moving it 45 minutes on the chart, I created several different layers of efficiency. But having to explain this to people who are quoting a manual that they themselves have never even seen, yeah, yeah, <laughs> that that is something yeah. that if I were to own a restaurant, I would want. I would want the employees that say to come to me and say, you know what, I found a way to to help not only the people who are closing, but also the openers. And all I have to do is uh, take these three tasks and rearrange the order. And I'd say, 
wow, that's innovative. Go for it. Now, in my case, I just went to, I just went to the, the store manager and told him about my process, and he said, yeah, you know, do whatever, you know, do whatever makes you feel good, because uh, if that means uh, we, can, you know, if that means that it makes it easier for everybody, everybody else, that's what I want you to do. So after about, so after I had that conversation with him, I figured out that I could just have a conversation with him. Uh, when one of these assistant managers would start with this manual, I'd say, first of all, there is no manual. I've had this conversation with 10 others who have come through your same track. And number two, as far as this manual you're trying to quote, why don't you just go speak with Dennis about that? And that shut it up. But the point being is, yeah, I would, I, even at that level, I would want innovators, not people that are saying, well, I'm getting my minimum wage and my 10-cent raise from last year, so the hell with it. I don't want that. Right. So, like, I mean, and that's a benefit of, like, you know, giving them that comp fair, more generous compensation. Like, they'll be a little bit more invested in the business, you know, but if you're paying them scraps, then they're probably just going to do the bare minimum. Right, right, right. And if, they're, and if they don't feel that their opportunities to innovate are going to be appreciated, they're going to retreat behind, well, it's not my job. You tell yep. somebody it's not their job enough times, and they will adopt that as their mantra because they'll say, hey, I'm just going to protect this job so I can find another one. And uh, maybe they'll start a side hustle and they'll become like Greg and Adam. Who knows? So, uh, so, I'm glad, so, I, so I really enjoyed this uh, little segue here. And sometimes this happens on our show because uh, I like to uh, take these moments when we come up with them to show business creators that we all go through some of the same challenges and have the same opportunities. But let's uh, chat about – teaching online courses, one of my passions and something that some of our business creators enjoy doing as well. So uh, first of all, one of your recommendations you shared with me in the, Greg, in, the, uh, in the green room, Greg, is that when you're starting out as a content creator, creating online courses, you recommend using marketplaces like Kindle, Udemy, Skillshare, and iTunes, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Now, why do you recommend that? I can think of the counterpoint why somebody wouldn't recommend it, but tell us why you would. Yeah, so the big advantage of using marketplaces, and there's there's so many for whatever you're selling, um, but in this case, you know, courses and content, is because they already have traffic and they already have an audience. So I know that, you know, probably the objection is like, oh, but they take a percentage. Well, everything takes a percentage. Like PayPal takes a percentage of your, you know, of all your fees and stuff or whatever, all your commissions that you earn. So, but the, so the advantage is to kind of help get you some traction quicker. And you can use that profit that you get from those platforms to, um, to then obviously do, roll that into your own, uh, course on your own website or or whatever and keep more of the profits but you know it's going to take some time and some effort whether you're doing seo or paid traffic to to send to your own offer uh, there's no way around that and so just a, a faster way to just kickstart that is to leverage some of these online marketplaces because in my experience like i haven't made millions of dollars but for somebody that's just getting started, that's trying to make their first couple hundred or first couple thousand um, dollars online or, you know, per month or whatever, um, these, these I mean, it's almost impossible in my experience not to make money just by showing up. I don't care what you're selling. I don't care what the niche or topic is. Um, I've, I've 
I've, I've always made money on Skillshare and Udemy and Kindle and stuff just because there's they they put in the time and money already to build up their their traffic and their audience and stuff. So there's tons of people there. And the other benefit of leveraging um, brand, you know branded marketplaces and stuff like Udemy and and Amazon is you're not having to uh, like convince them to trust you because they're on a vetted marketplace, you know, or, you know, a real business, a real site like Amazon. Amazon's been around for decades. Udemy has been around for I think a, about a decade now. And so they, you right. don't have to convince them to trust you. They, you just have to kind of convince them that your course is worth taking. But they are, they should already trust like Udemy or Amazon because that's a very well-known, respected brand. Yeah, you know, so that's like, you you raise some. You raise some good points here. If you're looking for the ability to host a membership site where you put courses behind a username and password, you can do the combination of loading your files on Amazon AWS and putting it in a WordPress site behind something like Wishlist Member or something along those lines. Or if you don't feel like building at all, you can pay a little bit of money for something like Kajabi is one of your popular ones. Uh, but, you know, here's the point that you make that I think is, is awesome is they're using an, an existing platform or a marketplace. The platform's already built. All you have to do is upload stuff. There, there, there's no coding. Yep. That's the first item. The second item is the marketplaces usually come with a search engine, which means if you name your product properly and you word your description properly, or you tag it properly, you have an easier time getting organic visitors to that product or course that increases the chances of people you've never even met or had to do any marketing to gain are going to come and buy it and become, in effect, your customers. Now, yeah, you're going to pay half of that to the marketplace platform you're on. And another point I like to make about courses is if the course itself is your end game, then you really got to think through your business model a little more carefully. Uh, I have this conversation a lot with folks who get concerned that their information products are going to get pirated. And you know, I'll tell you something, Greg. I, I I can't wait to find out the information product that hasn't been pirated. I don't know when yep. it hasn't. Everything I've ever paid money for, I know is either out on the torrents or on the dark web or someplace where I could probably pay $50 for it. You're, just assume your stuff is going to get pirated. When you're creating a Absolutely. course, in my opinion, and I want to get your thoughts on this as well, is you shouldn't just be teaching. You should also be planting seeds, something called seed-based marketing, where you're planting the suggestions of how people can work with you at a higher level, what's going to make them come back to you to buy more of your stuff, what's going to build your loyalty and your brand with them. And if you have a service or you have coaching or consulting or you have anything that's of a higher level that somebody taking that course is a great candidate to invest in, then within that course, you need to be planting those seeds, those suggestions, and letting people know about it. So you don't say, join my mastermind, join my mastermind, join my mastermind every five minutes. But when you're sharing case studies and you're giving best practices, you talk about the successes your mastermind members have had with it. That way you get to talk about your mastermind without plugging it. Just that's one little yeah. step. So what other so what other suggestions would you have along those lines? Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. You know, um, you're you definitely need to have some sort of back 
back end built in. So like with since I teach affiliate marketing and this goes for pretty much any topic I would assume, um there's other products and services usually that are involved, at least and I'll just use my niche as an example. So make money online. There's obviously tools and resources that I use. I don't just like show up and money just shows up in my bank account. Like I use different right. tools, uh, like <clears throat> web hosting and stuff, and all of those have affiliate programs mostly. And so, uh, like, yeah, you, you make some money on the front end with the course, or maybe a lot of money, but then you make residual money or back end money off the products I promote. You can upsell them on higher ticket, you know. Uh, you know, whatever opportunities to work with you directly. Um, what a lot of other marketers are shifting into is services and software or software as a service uh, stuff because, you know, with a web-based, um, back in, you know, back in the day when everything was, like, downloaded to uh, Windows and, and Mac and stuff, that stuff was kind of yeah. easy to pirate because it was just a software. But now the, the benefit of, like, the uh, services and software or, uh, stuff is that, um, their software as a service is that it's it's all web based, so it's kind of hard to pirate that. You know, it's like you either have a login or you don't, and it's kind of hard to. You can share those, but you can't really steal it. Um, so a lot of marketers I know are um, going into that uh, area because for two reasons: one, because it can't really be pirated, and two, uh, to build up passive like recurring income, so so that it's more consistent because. Um, you know, if you're just selling an information product, unless it is a membership site, you're having to make sales every single day or every single month to keep up those numbers. And then, um, yeah, along the lines of the information products, it's just part of the game. Like, pe people are obviously going to steal your stuff. Um, they're going to refund. It's just – it's a numbers game. It, it, but as long as you focus on quality um, and creating quality product, that those numbers are generally going to be pretty low. And um, I even just kind of as a little whatever side note secret or whatever, like I make a, you know, it might be in your best interest to even make an effort to actually seed some of your information, uh, depending on your niche, to some of these black hat sites to kind of for exposure, actually. Um, wow. To, yeah, does that make sense? Because like, there's yeah. certain um, – Black Hat marketplaces, some are for lower-end products and some are for higher-end. I haven't got around to doing this yet, but actually what I'm going to do with my course, since it's a higher-ticket product, is since I, um, uh, I kind of know one of these guys behind the, the Black Hat sites that has higher-ticket stuff, I actually i am going to seed and kind of give away my course to him to put on his marketplace for two reasons. One again, for the exposure, and two, because I'm sitting right next to other high-authority, high-ticket courses in his um, search results. So, like, I want to be next right. to, like, the Frank Kerns and Evan Pagans and Ryan yeah. Dices and stuff, like all these other ones, because if they see me next to him, they're like, oh, who is Greg Jeffries? Well, I don't know, but he must be awesome because his course is here. So it, it must be um, – yeah, so, uh, something that people want to rip off if it's here, <laughs> and I, I'm the yeah. one, I'm the I'm the one that actually gave it to them because um and I'm obviously not going to give them the full course, but they think it's the full course, so you know whatever. It's just more exposure. Oh, I love it! I love it. You're actually playing into it. Uh, two very quick anecdotes. Uh, one of my clients was working with uh, a search engine firm, and the search engine firm came to him and said. 
we found uh, we found pirated copies of your information course on the dark web. Congratulations, you've arrived. Yeah, just going to awesome what you just said, and then and then for the person who's paranoid, like why can't anybody ripping me off? I'm not going to just you know put up stuff so people can take it from me. Let me just tell you something. Uh, you know, one of my clients, one of our clients here at the Business Creators Institute, who has I think about 20 online courses. One of the concerns that people have when it comes to uh, payment plans is, well, they're going to make one payment and then they're going to run off. Or if they have a membership site is, well, they're just going to create a login, download all this stuff, and demand a refund. First of all, that only happens once in a blue moon. Uh, let me give you yep. an example. With one, of my, with one of my clients, we can think of exactly one case where somebody actually – did that that we were able to trap because uh, we noticed there was this one person that would buy all of his courses and then they would come back and they would refund it all and eventually we decided to have a policy that hey you know if somebody gets more than two refunds they get a warning if they get more than three refunds they get cut off and this uh, and this person uh, when we cut them off said well but I didn't I, but you didn't you didn't say that that I had to I had to dislike the product. Uh in fact I thought you said that I could like the product and still get a refund, which no, my client didn't say. So we told him that uh no, you can't have our stuff anymore. And so he decided to uh write a negative review on the on the Better Business Bureau website about my about my client. Uh the client responded to it telling the truth about this guy. And then the guy wrote back to us and he said, you know what, I really wasn't impressed by your response to me. And it's like, whatever, block this asshole. But that happened yeah. once. And I, just gave, and I just gave our listeners the most egregious example that I've seen in 13 years and how easy it is to deal with. And it's just one random, you know, whatever. Uh, think, you know, think, think about the long game. What is the back end? What is the ultimate goal behind course creation and do you have any continuity would be another question i have we could go on and on and on with this but i want to move on here we're already halfway through this believe it or not and i wanted to uh i know that uh, the actual content here is a little bit compressed so i want to make sure that we had enough to you know we had we got full use out of this hour we have and shared some great stuff but i want to move on to something called content stretching what is that mm -hmm. yeah so i um I guess I kind of borrowed this from um, – uh, I live in Austin, Texas, and I, I worked for Ryan Dice at Digital Marketer for uh, actually just a couple of weeks. But one thing I noticed several years ago, and I don't see this so much in the same media as, it, as I used to, but one way that um, pro digital product creators would kind of stack and add value to an offer um, was – in addition to like a course, they would be like, and that's not all. In addition to the course, you also get like the audio version if you want to listen to it on your iPod or whatever. And then you also get right. the transcription in the PDF form. It's like three of the same thing, but it seems like right. more value even as same thing three times. And so I borrowed that for the marketplaces. So I uh, combined that content stretching with these marketplaces because when I was teaching on Udemy, um, and I still have courses there. Well, there's more than just one course marketplace. And so I was like, man, instead of creating a lot of courses, 
let me just spread the same one around and that let me just like double my income yeah. with less effort. And same way with Amazon Kindle. So Kindle obviously is kind of takes the most of the market with the dig, digital like ebooks and stuff. Um, but there are other digital, you know, ebook marketplaces. And so, uh, and I've done I've done this with multiple marketplaces. So like um, Udemy and Skillshare are the two of the biggest ones. But I've done it with multiple other course course marketplaces. So I basically just repurpose, and I I just call it content stretching because you're just pushing that same course out to multiple marketplaces, and just trying to get as squeeze as much money out of it as you can because I. I got to the point where I was like, man, I'm lazy. I don't want to make I, – I know a bunch <laughs> of stuff. But I was like, I don't want to sit down and make more courses. How can I make more money without doing more work? And that's what I came up with. And so you can apply that to um, – so there's courses, there's eBooks, there's um, these print-on-demand marketplaces. So, like, if you're creating your own designs on, like, Zazzle, there's Redbubble, there's Cafe Press. Uh, you can sell through, like, Printful and WooCommerce. There's there's just dozens of those print-on-demand sites, and so if you have a design, uh, sure, each of the little T-shirts on each of the platforms have their different, like, format, but, like, for the most part, you can apply it to not only multiple marketplaces, but multiple uh, products. So, like, you can take a T-shirt design and probably uh, just change the, the dimensions a little bit and put it on a handbag and put it on yoga pants. Like, you can, so you can scale in that way, and, like, even with stock photos, so there's iStock, there's a Shutterstock, there's big stock photo. And so like if you're a photographer, don't just be on one marketplace. It's it doesn't take much more effort to be on more than one because one thing that the my last job was gave me kind of this epiphany. So I had I was doing affiliate marketing and online marketing on the nights and weekends and that job what I was doing in the daytime was e-commerce and what I saw was that we sold on we did multi-channel selling. So a lot of these you know, there's all these e-com courses now and selling them on Shopify and eBay and Amazon and stuff. But that's that's what most people know of is like marketplaces. There's like a hundred other ones. So we were selling on probably 40 of them. So Newegg, Rakuten, Zulily, Jet.com. There's like a billion other marketplaces, and we just we were selling vacuums and some other home goods stuff. So th those were types of products that. Uh, just so happened to be, uh, you know, products that we could sell in all those marketplaces. So I was like, man, you know, we're you – because know, what, what I'm trying to kind of explain here is that there, what we found was there, there are different audiences on each of these marketplaces. So if you're just – I'm not saying be everywhere because, you know, you have to obviously um, be still be profitable and stuff, and you don't want to just sure. be everywhere for the sake of being everywhere. But the the fact is that – Sometimes people uh, people that shop on Amazon do not shop on eBay at all. So if you're just selling on Amazon, you will never reach those customers and vice versa. So if you're selling just on eBay, some people that like to – that's their marketplace. You know, That's their favorite place to buy. They, they're, I, I can't believe this because I felt like everybody has an Amazon account at this point, but some people that I used to work with, they're like, yeah, I don't have an Amazon account. So I was like, wow, what? You don't have an Amazon account? Like, um, so some people like to shop on eBay and they don't shop on Amazon, period. And so if you're just selling on eBay, there's a whole demographic of people that you're missing out on that you will never sell to because they, they're not on eBay. And so that's like, 
with you know this marketplaces, whatever niche or product you're selling, like if I was just selling on uh, Udemy, um, some people that and here yeah here's the thing uh, too that they're not only there but uh, not only like not there on some of these other marketplaces, but they're not there because they don't even know it exists. So some of the people right. that are buying and um, you know they like Udemy, they might not even know that Skillshare exists, so they'll never find you. Um, so yeah, it's just beneficial for you if you can find these market, these other alternative marketplaces for whatever product you're selling, and be in as many places as you can. You know, without stretching yourself too thin. Obviously, you don't want to like compromise your quality or integrity of your product or whatever, um, or customer service or whatever. But uh, just yeah, take the opportunity to maximize how much money you can earn from whatever product or service you're selling. And, yeah, that's the gist of content stretching. Well, you know, uh, I'll give you one quick example because this kind of ties into what we're going to get into next is, uh, you know how you do a Google search on a key phrase and oftentimes on page one of the Google search results, there'll be a couple videos from YouTube, which Google owns, and there'll be a couple images. Yep. Uh, Google obviously yep. owns Google Images. So what I tell people to do is every time you post to your blog, you must have a featured image on that post. That featured image has to be renamed properly, so you name it with a key phrase, like change the file name, uh, get it to be a reasonable file size so it's not 19 megs, so it doesn't get kicked off for being too big, and use your alt tags whenever you can. That will help, and, and, and the more you do this on your website, the more you're going to get images into the Google image results, which means people will find you. That's one item. Another item is, let's say you're doing uh, a podcast episode, uh, Business Creators Radio Show. And let's say I wanted to optimize a piece of content around how to deal with information course pirates. Uh, there may be a way to say that in fewer words. Let's say I wanted to do, uh, you know, put a piece of content up that was searchable that would link to something that I had to offer. I would take, go back to the audio of this interview, I'd subscribe to iTunes, download it, take, well, I would do it, you, the listeners, wouldn't do it, you'd do your own podcast, I'm just saying what I would do, is um, I would uh, take that clip of us having that conversation about pirates, maybe I'd do it as a part one and a part two for double the exposure, run the audios up against a still image on Camtasia, just pop a still image into Camtasia and put the audio track on, on track two, Render it as an MP4, upload to YouTube, and optimize the hell out of the title, description, and tags. Yep. And I could, I, I could, I could take on a lot of folks with that. Just that little clip that would answer the question and then lead them to something more if they wanted to learn more. So that's just one example of opportunity when it comes to search engine optimization or some say search engine marketing. Why, mm -hmm. in your estimation, have you, Greg, found such massive opportunity with SEO. Let's get into that part now. Yeah, so my big kind of um, aha or epiphany with SEO, and I I don't think, I, I think this has been more in recent years just for everybody, just because I don't think the data, like, was there to grab, but um, it's focusing on long-tail keywords, uh, lots yeah. of them related to the product or service I'm promoting. So, you know all that all that data that Google and I think some of these other um, search engines like Bing have been collecting over the years. The um, auto suggest when you're starting to type something and it 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 completes the sentence for you. 
Well, those are there for a reason. You know, that's because people are actually typing those. But there's tools like KeywordTool.io that people can go to and get a whole bunch of those suggestions for free. And so I don't think tools like that existed until several years ago. So that I I, I heard of long tail keywords before, but they're my strategy before was like just kind of cross your fingers and hope you're picking the right ones because like right. you know just try, or basically you're guessing and hoping that like I hope this is something that people are typing in but now you can go to you know tools like keywordtool.io and just type I start with like a root keyword like let's say like teeth whitening you know it's not a long tail keyword but it's a start and then it's going to give me a list of long tail keywords that are related um that, that that are yeah related to that search phrase teeth whitening so and then from there I can dive deeper and deeper and deeper and get longer tail and longer tail and longer tail and the reason for me going after those is because I was you know in the beginning I was I didn't have um, that much money not much budget that's why I had to um, I kind of gravitated towards SEO to begin with but SEO can also be hard long and expensive so that was my you know, my angle or my edge to get some traction to go from like zero to something because I was like, you know, ever since I was in college, I was like, how do I, you know, I see all these amazing sales videos of marketers telling saying how much money they're making all these Lamborghinis and stuff they're driving. I was like, I, that's great. But like, how, how did you go from like rags to like not rags you don't have to be rich yet but like how do i get myself out of being broke uh, that's the first step and so yeah just by creating content around these long tail keywords which are um, far less competitive um, and you can uh, then shorter tail keywords like uh, lose weight or something like that um, you're going to you're naturally just going to rank for those because they're there's just simply like there's not that many people creating content around those period like i know there's a billion people on the planet but you got there's so few people that are doing seo and even fewer people that are doing seo for those exact keywords so like it the the opportunities are very abundant there's a bajillion keywords that you can target and uh it's not so much about the specific keywords or yeah the specific keywords or niche but it's just the fact that like you're going to people are searching for these keywords and you just you honestly just care about the traffic it's almost it almost doesn't matter what the keyword is because if as long as you're getting traffic you can make money um you can send them to just mass market offers even you know it could be it could be a keyword about like um whatever Britney Spears or some kind of actor actress it doesn't matter um it, as long as it's easy and it gets a decent amount of traffic you can you can make money from getting traffic to your site. Yeah, so uh, you know you make a lot of really good points there, and just the idea of the long tail keyword. You know, you uh, you mentioned something. And this is something I wanted to bring up, but I wanted to wait until we got to this point because I knew you were going to mention this with the search engine optimization and search engine marketing. You uh, had me ask you about content stretching. What you, your term content stretching, when I, you know, with the information you submitted to us before the interview and the description that's next to the term content stretching, which kind of gave me an idea of what you were going to share with us, your description matches a term that I created called organic multipurposing, which itself <laughs> is my own renaming of something called content multipurposing. <laughs> 
So really it's the idea of multipurposing, and what you've done is you're defining it as taking that same content instead of multipurposing it onto multiple different platforms and multiple different formats, you're stretching it onto multiple different platforms and multiple different formats. If you want to be yeah, number and so, one in a marketplace that's crowded, rename it. Just like, and I'm going to say this, and I'm going to let you laugh and then react to it. Greg, I like to get up on stages when I speak at events and say to the audience, you know, the very last thing that you need or want in your business, the thing that if you have this in your business, you need to get rid of it right now, is traffic to your website. They will look at me dumbfounded like I just said the world is flat. And, you know, funny thing, there's some Tide Pod eaters that believe the world is flat, but that's a separate, that's a separate podcast. Uh, now, <laughs> um, what I go on to explain is, you know, just want traffic to your website because traffic is why I work from a home office. And how do we define website? I, I can come up with 20 different definitions for the term website right off the top of my head. Instead, what we want are visitors who – uh, match the, pre, the three P's of website conversions, pre-qualified, prepped, and pumped. And we want to attract those vitter, visitors to our web pages. So it's the same thing, different label. And mm -hmm. you do that. And to me, when I hear about long-tail keywords and how we phrase things, I view it as a combination of renaming something, coming up with a catchy name in the marketplace that only you are using to describe something that is the same that every, everybody else is doing and put your own spin on it, and then through your own marketing channels, using that phrase frequently. And then yeah. when people start to hear about this content stretching, what's content stretching? They'll Google it or Bing it or Yahoo it, and all this great Jeffrey stuff will show up. That's, that to me, yeah. is the magic formula. Yeah, and then like I, just to kind of expand on it, the, all these things are connected to courses and SEO and stuff. So in a like if you combine the long tail uh, strategy and going after creating content around that I, with um, yeah multi purposing or content stretching and basically putting that you can even do the same content on multiple multiple or you know platforms with SEO um, because. The first goal is obviously to rank and get some traffic to a site or a piece of content. But then the next – my next strategy is I just call it like, you know, saturation, search engine saturation or whatever, um, and is to saturate the search engines for for that keyword or for all those hundreds of thousands of long-tail keywords. So I don't want to just be a blog post. I want to be a blog right. post, you know, an image. Uh, a video, uh, another blog post on another domain, um, maybe a Quora article, and all this is leading to me. So I don't care out of the top ten positions. I don't care which one they click because they all lead to me. <laughs> like I just yep. want to saturate and dominate. So I, you know, it's kind of like if you're in a like in affiliate marketing, if you're promoting two different products, and I'm in a or I'm I'm promoting it. Um, these two products, and I'm an affiliate of both, I don't care which one you pick. I get paid for both of them. Uh, I, like right. to just, I, like to just, I like to just, you know, say, hey, these are options, and I kind of, I mean, I'll push them towards one, but, like, uh, sometimes people are like, well, I'm going to choose the other one. Okay, fine by me. Like, I get paid either way. Uh, <laughs> so it's like yeah. I give people three options, and all three of them pay me. It doesn't matter. 
to me. So that's kind of I like right. to create scenarios like that where it's like it's a win for me. <laughs> like I don't care what what yeah. option you choose because because um, people like to you know whether you know sometimes people will take your advice and sometimes they'll be just like well I'm gonna I have a better way I'm gonna do it I'm gonna choose this one even though he recommends that one. It's like okay well they have an affiliate program too and I just so happen to be an affiliate so. Thank you for that commission. Yeah, cer- certainly. And uh, I'll give our listeners a little something to do for fun. Uh, Google the term or Bing the term or whatever your favorite search engine is. Look up the term content stretching and see what shows up. And then look up the term content stretching Greg Jeffries. I'm not going to give away the spoiler, but I'm just going to let the listeners know there is one. And if you heard what we've been talking about for the past 20 minutes, you just saw the cycle between create a product, optimize the product, and use search search engine marketing to drive the traffic to your website, or as I would say, visitors to your webpage, or somebody else's webpage on the marketplace, where there's an affiliate commission that awaits you, whatever, you're welcome. Uh, That's that's kind of the formula there. So if you enjoyed our little gripe session about uh, unemployability in the first 20 minutes and you were thrilled to know that if uh, Greg and I ever opened a restaurant that we would pay you real money and actually listen to your suggestions on how to make the sandwiches more efficiently, you're going to love the fact that we just showed you how to use uh, co- you know, content creation on platforms with the combination of search engine marketing and uniquely naming things to dominate the search engines. Hmm. Yeah. And uh, just one thing I want to add to with the, uh, again, all this stuff kind of goes hand in hand and overlaps, but with the, um, the, these, uh, these uh, marketplaces, since they are the root domain is the more authority site, a benefit of placing content on those is they'll naturally rank higher in the searches. And so like, if you just, I've had um, I've had courses rank on page one for like a, a pretty competitive uh, keyword because it's in the title of my course, which is hosted on Udemy, if that makes sense. And right. so, it, you know, yes, you are leveraging their platform and they take a commission and you don't get a hundred percent, but like, who cares? Last time I checked, fifty percent is better than zero. So. You know, if you can rank for, if you can treat your courses and these, um, like, Quora posts and stuff kind of as blog posts or or your own site, and it's, you're just, or your Amazon listing or your Kindle listing and stuff, and just use that to your advantage. So, sure, it's not your website, but, I mean, if it's going to rank out of the gate, make thousands of Kindle books or make thousands of um, short, you know, courses and then you'll you're going to get a lot of organic traffic and that's on top of the the traffic that you're going to get from people searching when they're actually on that site you know so yeah all this stuff kind of overlaps yeah yeah kindle books that have your key phrase in them your long tail key phrase that is a great way to do it and if uh you want to do a kindle book here's how you do a kindle book uh sit down for an interview uh do do a podcast episode get the audio have it transcribed, edit it. Should take you a couple hours max. There's your Kindle. And as far as a uh, cover yep. design, uh, you know, if you can, uh, you can 
Uh, a professional designer will make a real nice cover design for you for $350 if you want to go high-end. You can uh, go to Fiverr, pay upwards of $5, maybe $10 for something really good that's medium range. Or you could use a PowerPoint slide and save that PowerPoint slide as a PDF. There's three ways you can yeah. make your, your cover right there. And you're done. Put it up on Amazon, optimize it, and you're off to the races. Yeah, and the great thing about Amazon, I mean, and all these platforms, uh, Kindle, it's uh, it's 100% free. So even if you're only making 99 cents a book or whatever, it's like all profit. So you don't really have anything to lose. So these people that, I mean, as long as you have a computer and an internet connection, you can make money on the internet. It's that simple. That's very true. So we're right near the top of the hour, and Greg, you asked uh, just as a a further teaching lesson tying into what we've already covered today. You wanted to share with us a little bit about what you offer and what you do. So tell us a little bit about what you have available for our business creators. Yeah, so, um, you know, actually I can I can push them towards two things um, since we talked about both of them. But um, if, in, if people are interested in more of the course, um, you know, going down that path and, and creating – you know, courses on Udemy and Skillshare. I've got a course called I Am Source Academy where I just walk people through my process of creating courses. Um, I usually try to make my courses about an hour or so, so they're not – I designed it that way because when I was doing it as a side hustle, I would come home on Friday and plan out, plan out like, the blueprint of the course or the bullet pointed out, and then on Saturday and Sunday I'd record it export it and upload it, and, like, by the end of the weekend I'd have some courses. So if they want to – if you know if they're brand new and they want some uh, guidance on that, uh, rather than trying to figure all this stuff on their own, they can check out Iron Source Academy. And then if they're interested in SEO and learning my strategies and methods that I use there um, to you know make a very comfortable passive affiliate income with just affiliate commissions, they can go to SEOAffiliateDomination.com and check out my course there. So. Oh, great, great, awesome. So. Uh, Greg Jeffries, I want to thank you so much for being with us today. It's been an honor and an education, and even I uh, took a few notes. As our listeners know, not only am I the host, but I usually take notes as well, looking for the slight edge in my business. So thank you for taking the time with us today. It's been huge. Awesome. Thanks again for having me. You bet. And for everybody listening, this is Adam Homie, host of the Business Creators Radio Show. Please check out our previous and our upcoming episodes at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. And- on iTunes, where we help you win at the game of business and marketing so that you thrive from the intersection of your brilliance and passion. Until next time, have a great day. Take care.